So I was gaining weight, exercising five or six days a week because my body was so stressed and overwhelmed and your body can't recognize good and bad stress. It's like exercise right now is too stressful and I can't handle it. Weight is a protective mechanism. The body will hang on to weight when she doesn't feel safe. My body didn't feel safe. I wasn't listening to her. I was resisting because the programming, I have to exercise to lose weight, but I'm gaining weight and now I'm heavier than I was when I was binge eating. What the F? Yeah. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. We are about halfway through the month of January. And if you're anything like me, or you grew up around people like me, like I did, This is always the month where people are hitting the gym hard. They're set to get their fitness goals straight. And a lot of times people crash and burn come March, right? People are wiped out and they're done. They no longer want to do the health and fitness thing. Well, I am a big believer in the fact that we can avoid all of that fallout this year. If you have health and fitness goals, this is an episode you're going to want to listen to. I got to sit down with Amber Romaniak, who is a, an emotional eating and digestive hormone expert. And this conversation was revolutionary. It's one that I think we all needed like 20 years ago. Um, and at one point we get to the episode where Amber talks about how one of her best recommendations or three of her best recommendations to lose weight and get healthier. And none of them have anything to do with food or exercise. You guys, this episode is absolutely amazing. And it is going to flip everything that you ever thought about nutrition and health right on its butt. So If you are tired of the old ways or you're exhausted or burning out already from your New Year's resolution, this is an episode you're going to want to tune into. My name is Amber Romagna. I am an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert, and I've had my business for 10 and a half years. I coach women all over the world who are putting themselves on the back burner, who are prioritizing everyone ahead of them. And as a consequence, they are burnt out, tired, bloated, unhappy with their bodies, usually gaining weight, struggling with body image issues, and usually using food as a coping mechanism. So they're emotionally eating, they're boredom eating, they're binge eating, or maybe they're in a full-blown food addiction or binge purge cycle. And so I help them through the healing, physically, emotionally, and energetically to fully overcome the physical struggles, the self-sabotage with food, the unworthiness, and really step into the version of them they've always dreamed of being, but haven't quite been able to get to yet. I love that. And I think, so as you're saying that, I have a kind of weird question, but I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, Something I talk openly about and one of my bigger struggles was not necessarily binge eating, but like compulsive buying, like shopping. Mm -hmm. You think there's like a lot of similarities between that, you know, constant eating food and constant buying spending? Oh, a hundred percent. Because guess what happened to me? I struggled with binge eating and food addiction and binging and purging and healing. It is what started my business, but I had a phase where I'm like, oh, I'm not binging. And now I'm at the mall every night shopping and mindlessly spending money I don't have on clothes, right? So the the behavior can just morph from food to alcohol to 
online shopping because it's all the same behavior. We're chasing a dopamine high. So essentially what happens is something upsets us or stresses us out or we're bored or upset or lonely or don't feel good enough. And then there's a part of the brain, the pleasure center of the brain called the hippocampus. And it's like, remember the last time you went shopping, Renee, and you bought that thing and it made you feel so good. Like you should do that again. And like for me, Amber, remember the last time you got that ice cream and that bagel and that cupcake and you just, it felt so good when you ate it. And that part of the brain starts to light up. And then we're like, oh, I should do that again. But there's no part of the brain that is like, oh, but look at your credit card statement and your empty bank account and you're bloated and puffy and you've just gained 10 pounds because you binged every day this month. Like there's no part of the brain that will light up and remind us of like the costs. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so easy for us to stay in these like mindless compulsive behaviors because we're chasing a dopamine high and dopamine is a mood boosting hormone neurotransmitter. And often we have really low levels of it because of poor gut health, hormone issues, all the chemicals and crappy food we're eating. It just suppresses it really easily. And so then our mood just naturally feels lower. And that's when we're more inclined to reach for these compulsive things because it gives us that quick little feel so good. Right? Yeah. Oh, so my question then it would be like, if there isn't a voice in our head that's stopping us, like, how do we start to stop? <laughs> you know, Great question. Yeah. It's not heavy is, at all. <laughs> no, but it's, it's deep. Right. And I think this is one of the biggest, most liberating things that I learned when I was healing my relationship with food and my body, because I had no freaking clue, like why I was eating eight cupcakes from like the bakery and then going and buying a foot long sub and going to McDonald's and like eating until I was so full. I was sick. I was like, why the hell am I even doing this? Right. I didn't know at the time. And so what the powerful thing is, is our triggers are teachers, whether you're mindlessly shopping or eating, or you're triggered by your weight. Um, so I think one of the things that helps us to stop is to first to start to like, just be authentic with ourselves and go like, I think this is more than just, you know, you know, satisfying a craving on a Sunday. I think this is more than going and doing my Christmas shopping, right? Like there's something going on here. And am I just willing to explore it and look at it? So curiosity is a great energy to bring into starting to stop the behaviors. The next step is awareness. So it's very important that we are willing to start spending a little bit of time becoming aware of what's triggering us to want to mindlessly spend money or binge or go into like a diet addiction because people are addicted to dieting too. They're like, Oh, keto now vegan now like low carb carnivore, like buying diets, give us a dopamine high because you see all the success stories and the shiny marketing and the before and after photos. And you're like, this is the thing that's going to fix me. Yes. You put your credit card number in, you get your program. You're like, yes, finally it's this thing. All these things give us a dopamine high. We're chasing something outside of us that is not going to heal us within. So being aware of what's triggering you So like boredom, stress, negative interactions with others, lack of sleep. A lot of people don't realize, but when they're tired, it triggers an I don't care mentality. Screw it. I don't care. I'm going to go buy 500 extra dollars of Christmas gifts for myself. Screw it. I don't care. I'm going to, I ate that brownie. I'm going to eat eight more because I've ruined my day. And like, I might as well try again on Monday. Right. So being aware and understanding that we have triggers and that there's this a voice in the mind that's like, oh, well, whatever you've messed up, you might as well just keep going is all important for us to understand. Because when we start to learn about our triggers, we can go, okay, well, if fatigue puts me in an I don't care mentality, maybe I want to work on better sleep. Or maybe I have a hormone issue and I'm going to get some testing done. And then I can take some vitamins and eat some foods and things to help with that. Maybe I really suck at, like I feel lonely and I get really sad and then I want to numb all my feelings with food. So maybe for me, I want to work on like embracing, making a relationship with myself that I love and that I have this friendship with myself, right? So your triggers are actually showing you where there's still insecurities and pieces of you that are not whole. And so then you get to work on the triggers that are triggering you to do whatever you're doing and you get to heal them. And as you do that, you learn how to feel your feelings without numbing them with shopping or food or TV that builds confidence. You save more money because you're not mindlessly spending on food or shopping or whatever it is. And that is building confidence. And then you feel so proud of yourself because you're like, I caught the trigger. I didn't binge. I didn't go to the mall and buy that stuff. Like I caught it today. 
And so all of this helps build the momentum that helps us overcome. It's obviously very deep and I can keep going, but I'll pause there because as you're probably hearing, there's a lot. It's multi-layered. Yeah, but it's so it's so great and it's such a bummer that we have that we have to go through it, you know? I'm like, oh. And as you're saying it, I'm thinking kind of going through my own habits. Um where yeah, I slowed my shopping and then I remember there was a time where it was like I made it okay. And when you say tired as a trigger, I was like, oh, that just sounds like full body tired. Maybe where I wasn't even just like lacking sleep, but where I was like burnt out Mm -hmm. just from my life. I was trying so hard at everything that I would just get to those points where it was like, I'm just going to eat an entire bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. That was like my, it's okay. I'm going to do that. I feel sad. I get Cool Ranch Doritos, you know? Yeah. And I still treat myself to the Cool Ranch Doritos, but not in the same ways. And And, um, I love that you talk about triggers because that's something I've been working on in my life. And I always say, like, I need to emphasize, like, I've done so much work with triggers because it's such an internal Mm -hmm. job. Um, you know, it's not something we kind of give people credit for really in, in life, you know, like we, oh, you lost weight. Good job. Oh, you got a new job. Good job. Oh, you did this. You know what I mean? But you're like, but I healed my triggers. And people are like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) I know. Do you, are there any, like, and I struggle because it's an internal thing. Do you have any like methods or ways that people can kind of like be more hands-on with locating their triggers? Does that yeah, make sense? Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it's totally internal. So one of the best things you can do is to get a journal or a notebook and actually start a triggers section because oftentimes it's not going to be until after you fall into a trigger that you can then be aware that it happened and what it is and then write it down so that you have awareness And then the next time it comes up, you can pull out your notebook and go, okay, like I'm triggered. Maybe I don't fully know what it is. Let me look at my list. That's one of the first things I did when I started dealing with binge eating. I put the list in every room of my apartment because the other thing that happens is if we hide it away and we don't make note of anything, when we get triggered, it's not going to be top of mind to pause and look at my triggers list and work through it. So if you have a list and you start reviewing it regularly, even if you're not triggered when you are you're going to be able to go, okay, let me breathe. Let me pull up my list. Let me look at what's going on before I go shopping, before I go to the food. Let me take ownership and responsibility because I don't want to self-sabotage because these are self-sabotaging behaviors. And then I think the next thing is if it's specifically food, that is your trigger, get out of the kitchen, try to get away from the food and the temptation, get out for a walk, go to the bathroom, get into a room where you can close the door and just spend a few minutes and go, okay, like I'm really feeling vulnerable and feeling triggered. Right, so we can physically remove ourselves ideally and have that list. And from there, a really powerful question to ask yourself and I'll shift it for food and shopping, but it's essentially like for food, is this physical hunger? Do I actually need to eat right now? Or is this emotional? Am I triggered? And sometimes you might have to eat. So it's like try and eat slowly and mindfully. We can talk more about mindful eating practice after if you want, because I find the more mindfully and slowly we eat, the more emotionally and physically satiated we are. And that really takes away any desire to keep going. Um, So if you are physically hungry, try and eat mindfully and slowly and then come back. Am I still triggered? Do I still want to go snack in the cupboard and eat all the stuff? If you do and you're like, yeah, of course I'm still triggered. It's like, okay, let me pull up my list. What's going on? So if it's fatigue, can I work on sleep? If it's loneliness, can I hug myself and honestly tell myself I've got my back and like maybe... The reason this is happening is because I need to build a healthier relationship with myself and I need to learn how to love myself. And that's the most freeing thing in the world to do because then you know you always have your own back no matter what happens. Um, So it's going to teach you a lot about different steps you can take. The ultimate key though, after you understand what your trigger is, is can you go into some kind of a practice where you can like work through the emotions or work through whatever's fueling your urge? Because a thing that people don't realize is every time you feel triggered and then you go and eat or you feel triggered and then you go and shop, you're literally wiring a pathway in your brain. The science term is a neuropathway, but a habit essentially. And so every time that trigger comes up or like for me, I binged in the evening all the time. So even if I didn't want to, the evening would come, that habit would light up in my brain and be like, Amber, it's time for you to eat. It's time for you to go to the mall and shop. And I'm like, I don't even want to do this. So this is where we bring in habits and practices or hobbies to almost interrupt going into that self-sabotage and instead building a new habit pathway. Maybe it's journaling 
breaths, getting out for a walk, a bike ride, a bath, yoga, stretch, a workout, call a friend, make a cup of tea, put on your favorite cozy blankie and slippers and like comfort yourself in a way that's not going to, you know, be a sabotage. So make a list of your favorite puzzles, color, book, like have that list with your triggers list. And then when it comes up, it's like interrupt the pattern and try going to something else instead. Now with the shopping, it's like, okay, is this intent that I have to go and buy this thing? Is this a need? Is this like a real need that I need for my living and survival? Or is this an impulse and a want? right there? It's a very big difference. I mean, I could go to the mall right now and put a $10,000 purse on my credit card. Right. I don't need it though. That would just be a huge dopamine high. And then I get the credit card bill after and like, shit, like, what did I do? Right. <laughs> so ask yourself, like, do I really need this? Or is this like that impulsive? I feel like it's going to make me feel better. And then the same thing, actually, no, that's not really going to make me feel better if it's not a need. So what can I actually do to give myself to make me feel better? Again, have a half a spot, spot it, put a face mask on, do your nails, read, journal. Like there's so many potential things depending on your preferences. But here's the thing that people always get upset about. You can't quick fix your way out of self-sabotage. You've got to be willing to start to, you know, experiment with self-care practices and different things to shift out of it. So those are my like actions that you can try to take. Yeah, and that's... It's so true. And I always hate when I have to tell people that I, you know, how did you stop your shopping addiction? And I'm like a lot, a big part of it felt like just being really uncomfortable because my brain was like, go get stuff, go get like, my husband asked me to go to the mall with him. You know, uh, we helped me just, he wanted to know if things look good. He wanted me to have my opinion. And I was like itching. It was so awful to be there in that place. Cause it was like, I I had to go to the kitchen, you know, kind of thing. Like, I had to be there and I had to sit in the discomfort. Um, oh, I had so many things that you, that came up. Oh, my thought was, uh, you know, like f- for me, I think I used, I grew up with poor eating habits from, um, my dad was one of those people who would give me like a full plate of like a man sized meal when I was a child and tell me that I didn't, if I didn't finish my plate, I didn't get Dairy Queen. Mm. And I would finish my plate because I want a Dairy Queen. Like I, I love a blizzard, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I would like stop the blizzard down and I can only say that I think it gave me more control in my adult life because I was like, I'm in control of my food now. Like no one's going to be forcing or telling me how much I can or can't eat. Yeah. So it worked for me in my favor. Uh, but I struggled for a few years to like not overstuff myself. And one thing that helped me was popping in gum. Like if I was sitting at the, at like Applebee's and I had a big pasta and I knew I was full, I would put gum in my mouth because then I was like, I'm still chewing. I'm still doing the thing, but I'm not doing the thing anymore. (laughs) Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And that's the thing is I find when we're healing addiction or compulsive anything, it's not just like we go from full blown doing it to stopping. There's a bridge in the middle and we all figure out our little tips and tricks. I did the same thing, the chewing of the gum, the sipping on a tea, coloring and like multitasking to just help like take the edge off a bit of that urge, right? And so it's okay if you have what seem like weird little things or just, it's fine. Like if it's bridges the gap and it helps take you off of this like full loss of control, do it. Because a lot of us are taught from a young age, you have to eat everything on your plate or you don't get dessert or you're you should feel guilty because they're starving kids, but then we don't learn what full feels like. And then we overeat. And then it's easier to be in an emotional relationship with food or a compulsive relationship with food, because we don't know what full feels like. And it's important. We learn full because that's your body telling you stop. I don't need anymore. Right. Right. So I think you would love to talk on this because you kind of mentioned it. uh, And I wish I could have had you 20 years ago. (laughs) um, I struggle. I've been trying to tell my, my girlfriends lately or people who've known me, I've had my same friends since I was like in high school or younger. And I always used to say when I was younger, I feel so fat. I feel so fat. But I realize now that was the only word I had for bloated. I always felt bloated and uncomfortable. Mm. And I just grew up thinking that was me feeling full. And now I've gone through some gut healing myself and I know what full feels like. So I mean, can you kind of 
differentiate between the difference of like what is full and what is like over the top or bloated. It's, it's an unhealthy kind of full. Yeah, totally. Cause they are very different. You're right. But it's hard and it's confusing when you're bloated and overfull because you just, it, it does and your stomach's sticking out and you think you've gained weight and it's, it's not. So the different, the biggest difference is so with bloating, you're going to feel usually pain, discomfort, your abdomen and your stomach are going to stick out quite a bit. And for some, it's uncomfortable to the point where they have to, you have to like unbutton your jeans on your pants or you can only wear the stretchies, right? Like I used yeah, to be always thing. Yeah. And so there's pain, there's discomfort, there's cramping, there's heartburn, there's reflux. There's a lot of physical symptoms that you'll often experience with the bloating. With fullness, if we stop more full and we honor our hunger cue, we should feel physical satiation with our food satisfied. It's like you look at your plate, even if there's still some, there's like, I'm full, I don't need it anymore. I'll put it away and I can always have it tomorrow. Right. But you stop with the food, you feel satiated. You, if you're, if you don't have gut issues, you won't have bloating. Your stomach won't stick way out. Um, usually that the digestive system will not change at all. You'll have no pain or any symptoms. So it's more like the satiation, your energy and blood sugar regulate. You get a, a fullness signal. Actually, the hunger hormone we produce when we're full is called leptin and we produce ghrelin. That's the hunger hormone we produce to make us hungry. So those can get skewed when we have hormone issues and we're overeating. But those are some of the biggest differences. Now, when we overeat, we produce way too much leptin. And so that's like when you're sitting and you're eating really fast and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm eating it all. And then you stand up and you're like, I way overdid it. It's because you ate really fast and your body your stomach send a signal to your brain to produce leptin to make you full, but it all happens so fast. And then the brain overproduce the leptin. And then you're just like in this discomfort. So this is some of the biggest differences. And obviously the more full you are, the the bloating and the discomfort, because now your body has to expend a lot more energy trying to digest that food because it's too much. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And so helpful. And like I said, I, I just, I, never had the words for how I was feeling, but like, it's exactly what you're saying though. Like discomfort, having to unbutton my pants. And I would always almost eat to that point. Like it was just normal for me to feel like that after every meal. Mm -hmm. So my question, I guess would be, is there like a clue for people to recognize that bloating or discomfort isn't just happening after a little bit eating too much, but if it's like a daily occurring thing, you know, what, what can you do? Yeah, great question. Because so many are bloated and in pain, no matter what you try to eat, even if you're trying to eat really well. Um, So if you're waking bloated or right after you eat, you're getting really uncomfortably bloated. What I suggest is some things you can first try on your own. And if you've tried these things and they're not working, if you're able to get some help to like have someone do some testing with you, assess your gut health, all your digestive organs, and also your hormone health, because what a lot of people don't realize is that usually our gut issues are not just gut related. There's a lot of hormone imbalances that can be going on that will make our digestive system more sensitive and our stress levels as well. But First off, if you're waking bloated and you're bloated through the entire day, where are your stress levels at? Can you start rating your stress levels? Because if you're an eight out of 10 or higher, likely the stress you're feeling in your body is really contributing. So what happens when the body's stressed is we go into a stress response, fight or flight. It's like there's a bear, but there's no bear, but your body thinks there's a bear and it's getting ready for you to run away. And when we're constantly stressed, the circulation that is needed in our digestive cord to digest is out in our limbs, getting ready to help you run away from a bear that isn't oh, there. Okay. okay. So that's why pause and take five to 10 deep breaths before you eat if you can, because it's going to help take you out of fight or flight back into rest and digest. And that may help with some of the bloating. The second thing is if you're eating on the run and you're eating really fast all the time and you're not paying attention, you're not going to digest properly. You're probably going to have bloating. You may have reflux or heartburn. And why? Well, Everyone says digestion starts in the mouth. It actually starts in the mind. Because like I just said, if you're in fight or flight, your digestion shut down. You're not going to break your food down properly. So deep breaths. Ideally, start picking one meal a day that you can start eating mindfully. At the table or your desk, no technology, no distractions. Interactions with others, totally fine. But ideally, present with food. Because you're going to see your food. You're going to start to produce the digestive juices in your mouth to help break down your carbohydrates. 
and start to prepare the rest of the food to break down properly in the stomach. Chew thoroughly, fork down between bites, enjoy the food. Food is enjoyable. Food is meant to be enjoyable. It is fuel. It gives us life, right? So the better you chew, when the food hits the stomach, it's going to be easier to break down. You're going to properly break your protein and fat down in your stomach. And then it's going to be easier for your intestines to absorb your nutrients. Okay. Mindful eating practice. That's what that is. It honestly is a game changer and could significantly reduce your bloating if you're suffering. Ginger tea, peppermint tea are great. Digestive aids, turmeric, things like that. If you need a little bit of support. My last tip is drink the majority of your liquids away from meals. Because when we drink a lot of liquids with our meals, we're diluting our stomach acid, which is needed to help us digest protein and fat. Mm. So small sips with meals is fine, but most, you know, 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after. Um, So if you're like, I'm already doing all that and I'm still horribly bloated. Well, then we want to look at cortisol, which is your stress hormone, because if that's through the roof, your digestion will just keep feeling more and more sensitive. And like you could go out and the wind could blow the wrong way and it could make you bloated because your system is so stressed from all this cortisol stress hormone flooding through your body. So hormone testing is important. Um, we want to then maybe assess your stomach acid levels. Most people have too little stomach acid and then they end with reflux and heartburn and, and heaviness when they eat, especially protein. Um, we want to look at your gut health, your flora, your gut bacteria. You've taken a lot of antibiotics, a lot of medications. This throws all that off significantly. And there are certain gentle protocols that we can go through to balance that out. If you're not having daily bowel movements, you have loose stools, you're constipated. We need to look at why that's going on. It could be a thyroid issue. So as you're hearing me through this whole conversation, it's like, it's never just one thing. And be open to taking maybe a bit more of a holistic, like whole approach because gut issues are so much deeper than just like, eating certain foods or going on a certain diet and you shouldn't have to restrict and like feel like you can only eat chicken and salad, you know, because otherwise you get bloated. Right. Well, and speaking of, you know, restrictions, it's like you said, people kind of go on these diets and I, I can't help but feel like the more we go on those restrictions, can't have, can't have, can't have that it can lead to those big binge sessions or where we just, that, you know, kind of that tire, like, forget it. I'm done. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Yeah. Kind of panic. hundred percent. That's what it creates. And so when I was struggling with binge eating, I was also trying to heal my digestion, which is like the worst combination you can try to do. Cause the binges are like stressing out your system and making your gut health so much worse. And then I'm like, okay, but now I'm going to go on an elimination diet. But anytime you restrict, like you said, you have more food rules, food fears, can't have this, can't have this. And then it just triggers you at one day. You're like, the world, I can't handle anything. F it. I'm throwing a screw it. Who cares? I'm going to go eat all the things I wasn't allowing myself to have. So we go into this rebellious state, right? Because at some point when you say, I can't, you're, I call it the ego negative voice in the mind's like, oh, yes, I can. And yes, I'm going to. And then we way overdo it, right? And then we panic because, oh, I made it worse. Now I gained more weight and I'm frustrated. So let me go to the next restriction. And we're taught a lot like, oh, elimination diets, FODMAP, like all these different diets if you have gut issues, but they don't actually work because yes, you can cut the food out and maybe get some temporary relief, but then as soon as you add the foods back in, it's back. That's not addressing the root. So right. this is where we want to look at addressing the root. But if you're struggling with binge or emotional eating, we can support your digestive system while you're healing your relationship with food. But ideally, you want to heal your relationship with food first. It's going to make it a lot easier to heal your gut and you're going to have a lot more relief Versus if you keep trying all the diets and eliminations and then go into the rebellion and keep losing control. So for people, cause I think for so many years, and I think it's because it's just something we're all fed, you know, like to be thin and to have, you know, go on a diet. And we, I grew up constantly hearing that messaging. And so I think every time like new year's hit, that was the goal I set was like, it has to be a weight loss goal. It has to be me being thinner or me being better shape somehow. It was all physical, all about my body. Um, there was so much freedom in the day that I stopped doing that. But my question to you is if there's someone who's truly like, I just want to be healthier going into the new year. And if you say, stop, don't do the diets, what can someone do just to take two, three baby steps to be healthier without falling into any of the fad diets? Yeah. 
totally a hundred percent. So first thing, how's your hydration? Let's start small and build confidence, right? So for you, is it that you are not drinking enough water and you want to focus on getting your two liters or 68 ounces? Start there, right? You're going to have so much more energy and feel so much better being hydrated. That's the first thing. The second thing, instead of jumping into the diet, try the mindful eating practice. Start picking one meal a day to eat mindfully and slowly. You're going to feel more satiated. It's going to you know, prevent overeating. And that's going to help you build a more mindful relationship with food. Third thing, start your triggers list if you're struggling with any kind of self-sabotage and start actually building awareness and looking at what's actually going on. Because all the diets do is distract you from actually like doing the things that are going to better you and your mental, physical, and emotional health. Um, My last suggestion would be if you haven't started a self-care practice, start one, right? Do you want to try meditation, journaling, breath work? Maybe you want to get in a little bit more walking, right? Maybe for you, it's you have like this pile of books you want to start reading, right? Maybe it's like getting to bed a half an hour earlier, but something that's going to help rest you and your body and your nervous system and also having healthy ways to deal with your stress and, and, you know, uncomfortable emotions. Like that is important. If you pick one of those things or two of those things that I've just suggested, you're going to end up in such a better place because you're actually going to build lifestyle change versus quick fix. I love that everything you just said really had nothing to do with diet or exercise (laughs) because it goes against everything we've ever been told. I know and people are probably like, that's BS. Like I'm going to work out and blah. And here's the irony of it. When I stopped binge eating, I was still exercising five or six days a week because like you said, we were conditioned. You have to eat less and exercise to lose weight and keep it off. So here's the irony of the whole situation. I was exercising five or six days a week with significant hormone issues. And every single woman I've ever worked with has had a hormone issue. So the likelihood is there's probably something going on. Now, when you have really high cortisol, which is that stress hormone, okay, you're brain fogged, you're exhausted, abdominal weight gain, sensitive digestion, low sex drive, fertility issues, irregular cycle, all kinds of stuff can be going on. And you're exercising first thing in the morning and you're not eating breakfast and you're taking some kind of caffeine, you are going to throw your body into a stress response even further than what you're already in. And it makes it so much easier to gain weight. Okay. So your exercise routine that's supposed to help you lose weight is now going to be what's actually the thing tipping your body over the edge to gain weight. So I was gaining weight, exercising five or six days a week because my body was so stressed and overwhelmed and your body can't recognize good and bad stress. It's like exercise right now is too stressful and I can't handle it. Weight is a protective mechanism. The body will hang on to weight when she doesn't feel safe. My body didn't feel safe. I wasn't listening to her. I was resisting because the programming. I have to exercise to lose weight, but I'm gaining weight. And now I'm heavier than I was when I was binge eating. What the F? Yeah. So I made the personal choice to quit the gym and rest, to get more sleep, to like learn how to love my body and respect her. And I swear to you, I did that. I was already eating good, no more binge eating. It fell off. I didn't have to do anything. I'd go for a walk if I wanted I did restorative yoga if I wanted, but no forceful exercise, no diets and restriction. It blew my mind. That's how all my clients lose weight. It's not a weight loss diet journey. It is a healing journey. It is about helping the body feel safe and looking at what is blocking my body from letting it go. For some, it might sound like a whole like woo thing, but it seriously works. It's a safety thing. If your body feels safe, she'll let go. So that was a huge, like amazing thing that I'm glad I had to go through. Because it's not about diets and exercise. If you love exercise, amazing. But if you're exhausted and depleted and you feel guilty if you don't go, there's some work to do on the relationship with exercise. I can totally relate to that. I feel like for so many years was just like, you guilty, guilty, you have to, you're, mm-hmm. you know, and you're lazy if you don't go, you know, like I felt like if I skipped a day, then I was just going to fall off the wagon completely. and Everything was just going to fall apart around me. Um and over the last couple of years now, I feel like COVID knocked a lot of us for a loop. Um, I still kept the habit of going, uh, but I gave myself permission to not have to try hard. Like I was like, you don't have to go fast. You don't have mm-hmm. to go. It was kind of like uh, whatever feels good. Like you said, and I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, 
I feel like taking a walk today. I don't feel like going to the gym or some days I'm like, Oh, I want to go lift weights. Yeah. Like that. I just feel empowered. Um, but I love that you said the deep breath before eating, because I feel like that has helped me with the gym where it's like, <sighs> am I in that like panic state to go to the gym? And it's helped me a lot of times when I'm driving, I used to get in car accidents so frequently when mm-hmm. I was younger. Um, and I think it's like you said, that kind of stress response. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm driving and I feel stress, I <sighs> like do that deep breath and try to, you know, be present and that mindfulness, um, in every area. Uh, and now that I'm talking on that and I know, I already know what you're going to say, but may as well have you shame me to my face. Not, <laughs> no. not shame me, but my family and I, I'm like, Oh, I hate this. We have been a little bit more lax lately. And we're having more of our dinners in front of the TV, which I know is terrible. Uh, and I never grew up that way. We were always around the table people, but I think it's like, uh, at the end of the days, you know, after work and sports and blah, 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 we just kind of plop. And mm-hmm. do you think that even just if you're, if, it's your, if you're speaking to someone with families like that, and people are in that habit, like we are maybe just going around the table can help with that mindful eating. A hundred percent. You are totally right. Now you're human. And if there's like a special night where you have a special movie or something, right. It's not like you can't ever sit and watch TV. However, when we sit at the table, we can be more present, engaging with each other and that builds connection, right? And you're going to digest better and you're going to stop when you're full. We are up to 40% more likely to overeat and overconsume when we're eating and watching TV. So it can be a very easy trigger to do that. So ideally, it's a great habit. I remember family and I would eat a lot at the table as a child, but then we started to watch TV and eat. And that's part of what like, and it's not their fault. They didn't know, but it started to fuel some of my mindless eating because I would sit and grab a bunch of food and just like stuff myself full. So these habits can really be ingrained in kids. Right. So. Yeah. And that's so what important. I feel so silly. Cause I remember reading, it was a, a study that had been done on, I think it was kids specifically and that they would eat more if something was put next to them on watching TV. Like, I think it was um, raisins or it might've been goldfish, mm-hmm. uh, that they ate. Yeah. Maybe it was 40% or so significantly more when they had a TV on. So my sneaky little self, when, <laughs> when my kids were younger, if they were watching TV, I'd put a bag of baby carrots next to them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, huh, they're mindlessly eating. But as we've been talking, I'm like, Oh shoot, that's like a mindless eating thing. Like, you know, and we're just sitting, having our dinners in front of the TV more and more lately. Um, I'm going to have to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing too, is we don't digest properly because we're not present focused on the food. And if we're watching something stressful, like an action movie or the news or like, right. Like the body's in fight or flight because the mind's like, like stress response. Right. So there's that too. And that's why I always say like, ideally try not to eat or watch stressful things and eat because it can just set you up for more bloating and discomfort. That is so crazy. And I know I'm going to go back because, um, uh, I've said this to my husband before, like you were talking about first thing in the morning yeah. workouts. Um, and then that running, I don't remember where I heard this, but I think I read it somewhere. was like, if you're already stressed and you start running, you're just kind of triggering more. Cause it's like, you're, you are running from the bear, you yes. know, kind of thing. Like your yes. body creates even more cortisol, right? That, yeah, you're right. So when we already have a stress response going on in these, our adrenal glands would produce the cortisol, the stress hormone are already like flooding it through your body more than they should be. Cause we're only supposed to have a stress response, cortisol flood for a few minutes, and then it, it balances back out. But everything is stressing us out these days, right? So when you're already stressed to the nines, because kids, family, work, business, job, career, you're a people pleaser, you're overbooking your schedule, you're binge eating your sh- whatever the stuff is, and you run, Cardio and HIIT training are two of the worst things we can do when we have a cortisol issue because anything that gets your heart rate up for long periods of time or short periods of time, you're spiking more cortisol. And like I said, your body can't tell healthy, good exercise stress from negative stress. It's all stress at that point. So for some of my clients, when we're working together, if they have a really serious cortisol issue, it's negatively impacting their skin health, their gut health their weight, their mood, their cravings, blood sugar, everything, right? So when we 
see their hormone results and go, hey, your cortisol's through the roof and it's impacting this, this, this. They often will talk to them. It's obviously up to them. I'm never like, you have to do this, but I say I would encourage you to be willing to change your exercise routine temporarily because it's actually making everything worse. And some are resistant at first, some aren't, but they start to, and they start to feel so much better. Their digestion gets better, less bloating, skin starts to clear. Their period comes back because it disappeared or it's been irregular. They finally get pregnant because now they're producing enough progesterone and estrogen. Like magic happens. They're like, holy crap, I feel so much better. I was a slave to the exercise because I thought I needed it, but it actually, that's not what I need. What I need is this. And so what's beautiful about healing is you become more in tune and intuitive with your body. And you, instead of logically going, I need to do this, I need to do this out of fear of something bad happening, you go, no, this is what feels good. Like you said earlier, like this feels good. I'm going to do this today, whether it's like that intense weightlifting or that walk. But you let that lead versus like, no, I have to work out because I need to lose weight and I can't miss this and I have to burn calories. Like that's unhealthy relationship with exercise. It's mindless movement versus mindful movement is today I'm actually going to rest because I didn't sleep good. And then tomorrow you wake up and you're like, oh, Today feels like a good day to go and do that, right? That's mindful. Yeah. Oh, it's so just, it's been such a battle. And I think it is for so many, probably women specifically, but also some men that uh, turning off those thoughts, because I know you talk about food triggers um, or shopping triggers, but that idea of have to or should or I'm lazy if I don't, you know, those types of things, you know, do you have any ideas on how to kind of let go of them? Yeah, Cause it's, totally. it's tough when it's your brain. That's like, thinks you it have is. to do these things. Yeah. And so this is the thing is this is called programming. We've all been programmed. You've had certain programming, right? Where you, your dad told you, you have to eat all the food on your plate to get Dairy Queen. That's programming. We got programmed by commercials and magazines in Hollywood that we have to lose weight and use a diet to lose weight and have the perfect body, even though they're all Photoshopped, right? right? So we have a voice in our mind called the ego. It's the negative limiting voice that's judging you because you don't look good enough. Shame on you. You didn't get your exercise in today. Shame on you because you had that cookie. That's that voice. Okay. And so what we want to start to do is actually build awareness around what triggers us to get critical of our body, why we feel we have to go and work out even if we hate what we're doing, right? Why do I need to go and like mindlessly shop knowing deep down, I know it's not going to make me feel better. So it's like, okay, I have choice. I can get really in my head and get really negative and go into all the negative self-talk and beat myself up. Or as soon as I can catch it, I can pause take a deep breath, apologize to myself and go, you know what? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to call you all those names. We're going to work on this. I'm actually going to have a moment be grateful for my body because it's literally because of my body I exist and I'm able to live my life the way I do. Even if I have symptoms or I want to lose weight or I'm not fully happy, like I need to have a gratitude moment. So try to like catch the negative self-talk, apologize to yourself, have a gratitude moment. And then it's like, okay, well, How do I want to feel about my day? How do I want to feel about my exercise routine? How do I want to feel about my body? And take a little brainstorm session with your journal and like write down, like, how would it feel if I had better energy? How would I go about my day if I had more confidence? How would I feel if I only chose to do movement that felt good for me instead of force? So part of it, as you keep hearing me in this episode, is it's about being willing to take a bit of time to reflect and build awareness. What do you want to feel instead of what you don't want? Because many don't know. But catching that negative voice. So catching, apologize, gratitude, maybe a positive affirmation, or what do I want to feel instead? Over time, it gets easier. In the beginning, it's like, this doesn't work. (laughs) But over time, it gets easier because you're reprogramming your mind. You're bringing in positive affirmations. You're saying kinder things to yourself. It helps quiet that voice more. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Uh I do. I love it so much. I am so thankful that you're spreading this kind of message because it is, it's something that we've all, you know, been so subjected to or all these different things. And so I guess I'm another thing that I, I see is a big issue for my, a lot of my friends. So if I'm being honest and obnoxious, I have a body type that's like pre-approved of, you know, um, I've, you know, never had too much, just rather small frame, you know, 
everything's fine and approved of by society. But for, I absolutely love when there is like anyone whose body type, you know, I know there were girls in high school who were, they were too thin and people talk bad about them. Or there are people who Mm. who were too big and people talk bad about them. And I love seeing, especially nowadays, and you know, maybe this is the space that I'm in as far as social media, but I'm in a social media space where women are sharing those body struggles with confidence and able to say like, I'm a curvy girl and it's not a bad thing. It's not, you know, cause I think for so long, we grew up with that message that having curves were bad or having yeah. fat on our body is bad. when yeah. It's just a normal thing. Yeah. Um, I guess my, my thought is like, yes, we want to be healthier. Maybe we do want to lose weight, but how do we get to that point where we just do embrace whatever body shape we're kind of naturally fitted to, if that makes yeah, sense. Totally. Because we all have a bit of a different shape and size and you're right. And especially as a woman, we need some fat because our hormones are fatty like substances. And if you want to reproduce, you need enough fat, like body weight and to produce hormones, like it's to protect your womb and your uterus and your bladder. Like it's, we're not meant to have six packs. It's very rare that like a woman, right? Like it's, that's not healthy. Um, because then we get into cycles, skipping all that stuff. So this is the way that I see it. And everyone's different. I think it's so important that we learn to love and accept our bodies as they are. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to accept suffering and accept a bunch of symptoms and accept that your body could never feel safe enough to release the weight. It's that you learn to love and accept her now because she is giving you life and she's a teacher and your body wants to teach you more self-love, confidence, like setting healthier boundaries. She wants to help you heal your relationship with food or whatever it is. So building acceptance, but you might be going, well, I can't accept myself. Like, I don't like this and I don't like this. And it's like, but over time, it's like the gratitude practices, the apologizing when you're negative towards yourself. It's how can I appreciate this part of me? Because even if I hate my stomach and I don't like the fat, like how I used to, and now I'm like embrace it, but my digestive system is working and digesting my food. Like it's giving me life. I have to be grateful. So many people have horrible digestive diseases and issues, and I don't, I can't be rejecting that part of my body anymore. So over time, we build these gratitude practices. We try to appreciate even the parts of us that we still feel insecure about, and that helps us build our worth and our confidence. The other thing I think is that we all do have a different shape and size, and it's not fair for us to compare to others because we all have different hips. Some women carry a little more curve in the bum and some have bigger breasts and like, And it's for us to undo the old conditioning of like everything needs to fit into a box and actually understand that there are all different shapes and sizes. And for us to like take that on. So follow more people on social media that are like more positive and supportive of that and delete and clear out, do a cleanse of all your newsletters and social media, right? And then the last piece is if you know in your heart of hearts that you really desire to love and accept yourself and you also feel that your body's not at her natural set point, work on the self-love and acceptance and get curious about why do I think my body's hanging on to this weight? Is it because I'm binging and emotionally eating? Am I not eating enough? Did I have trauma that happened to me? That's actually like this weight is protecting me. And because I am, I am afraid to get hurt again or whatever that thing is. Is it hormone stuff? Is it inflammation and gut stuff? So again, the weight is a map and it is a guide and you can learn to love and accept yourself while you're figuring out what's going on in your body, whether it's weight or other imbalances that you would like to gain relief from. And I tell you, your body will go to its natural set point or or you will heal the symptom or get it manageable when you stop fighting and you start going, okay, I'm actually going to take time to learn about my body or to get help, have people help guide me and give me the right tools and testing and things. But this is to me my approach because I feel we do all have a natural set point, but I loved it. I, I learned to love and accept myself when I was my heaviest, when I was pushing myself in the gym and fearing stopping for fear of gaining more weight. That's when I fully lo- started to love myself. It wasn't after weight loss because that's conditional. So that's my spiel on that. Yeah. That's, you know, kind of similar, I suppose. Like I, I had gotten to a point where I think, um, my body was very, very, very small. <laughs> um, and I, if, you know, if you're talking about like, you know, putting on weight to protect ourselves, I feel like I was almost at that point where I was taking off so much weight because I was like invisible. You know what they mean? Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. Yes. Um, Don't want to be seen. Yeah. If you can't be seen, you can't get hurt, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
didn't want to take up too much space. Yeah. And I guess the more my body has grown, not, you know, I'm one of those people who I can like gain five pounds and it's a whole pant size, you know? So I've put on this weight over the last few years and also like it's gone through like a self-love journey. Like it was like, I was able to get to a comfortable body size while practicing that self-love. Yeah. Um, you're right. There's just so much to it and embracing us, you know, embracing you. We deserve to love ourselves. We deserve to love the body we live in. And it is a process and a journey and it is uncomfortable. Like you said earlier, like, and we can't quick fix our way to self-love. It's, you know, are you willing to take the time? Because once you do, you have it for life and that it's so freeing. Yeah. Oh, so true. And so I'm just going to add to that too, because I, I've been on like a self-growth, self-love journey for the last almost decade. And I know what you mean. Like I giggle when you said like this, people at the beginning are like, this doesn't work. I remember forcing gratitude. Yeah. Uh, and it felt stupid and it felt inauthentic and it just felt annoying. Um, uh, but I'm a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. So I just want to give to that voice. You know, you guys are hearing Amber say it. I want you guys to hear me say it too. Like starting, even if it doesn't feel like you're going to get anywhere that you do, you know, um, I right. thank you so much, Amber. This was just amazing. I feel like I always get really quiet and introspective (laughs) um, during talks like this because it's so cool and empowering to hear these kinds of messages um, that aren't the normal ones we're all used to hearing um, from the food and diet, food and fitness industry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's time for, it's time for the truth and it's time for the authentic like depth. Oh, that stuff doesn't work. Totally is. Thank you so much for bringing this love and this light to a conversation that I just, you know, naturally don't necessarily want to gravitate toward anymore because it's, it's can be so burning out from what I've heard for so many years. And I love that you're flipping the conversation. So for anybody who wants to connect with the kind of message that you're spreading, where can people find you? Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we could have this conversation because it gets to be uplifting. So my website is amberfood.ca. Um, you can learn more about body freedom. If you're also wondering if you're struggling with emotional eating, I have a free emotional eating quiz and you'll get some podcast episodes to help with that. And then if you're wanting to connect and potentially explore a journey, you can book a 30 minute body freedom consultation. The podcast is no sugar coating podcast available on the website and all podcast apps. And I'm on Instagram. It's my name, Amber Romaniak. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you for having me. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love. Until next time.